Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello and welcome to Texas Ag Today for Friday, September 11th of 2020. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. We may have to wait before we truly know how crops in the Texas panhandle were affected by this week's cold spell. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. Demand for beef has dramatically improved in the last 20 years. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more on that story coming up. Neighbor, by the time you folks are hearing this, Hurricane Laura has come ashore and certainly has caused devastation. But there were days and days leading up to that devastation where folks were praying for rain in portions of Texas, and then the balance of us on the coast were wishing that they would just wait for the next shower. We'll talk about it on today's program. I'm Larry Marble, reporting from Fulton. We'll have those stories, plus a look at the latest wildlife news and a complete look at the markets coming up later. But first, here's a look at news headlines. We may have to wait before we truly know how crops in the Texas panhandle were affected by this week's cold spell. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. Following our bout of very premature wintry weather, Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell counts herself among those worried that area cotton could take a hit on fiber development. And it's really sad because we've been looking at many fields that have very good yield potential. But if we don't have the quality, then that could negatively impact the return in those situations. But despite legitimate reason to be concerned at the moment, Dr. Bell wants to see if area cotton might actually rally, especially with temperatures expected to bounce right back into the 80s this weekend. You're really not going to get a good gauge on the effect on fiber quality until many of these fields are ginned. So we're probably a couple of months out on that. Now, as for other crops, most panhandle corn and sorghum was far enough along in its development that widespread damage would not appear likely, especially since our temperatures, while dipping into the 30s in some areas, appear to have avoided an actual freeze, with a notable exception. Pioneer hybrid agronomist Russell French says a slender portion of the northwest corner of the panhandle did see temperatures around 31 or 32 degrees. There could be some late corn or late sorghum that could have been hurt some. On the bright side, French points to precipitation, as much of the region picked up a half inch to an inch and a half. The rain is going to be really beneficial to the late grain sorghum here in the panhandle, and it's perfect for getting wheat drilled. And one more note, let's not forget about cattle. Our freakish cold spell is likely to have stressed livestock, especially younger animals. In Amarillo, I'm James Hunt for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Demand for beef has dramatically improved in the last 20 years. Jessica Domel has more. At the recent Feeding Quality Forum, Randy Block, CEO of Cattlefax, said the demand for beef has really come a long way from the low in beef demand seen from 1998 to 2000. This was the low water market beef demand. Look what percentage of our product was select or lower. Again, we were approaching 40%. 
Block says the cattle industry got the message and started the shift toward more black-hided cattle. The mid-90s, 35% of the cattle being black-hided steer after slaughter to a number that's up in here the last several years between 65 and 70%. The second thing was genetics. Putting more high-quality genetics in these animals where we had a higher predictability of what they would produce and we started to focus on grids to where we had an opportunity that we could get paid for more of the quality attributes that we were putting into those cattle. Block says that demand growth has been worth anywhere from $225 to $280 a head, and consumers have said they want more and are willing to pay for it. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel. The two hurricanes that hit Texas this year have brought a lot of rain but we would rather get that moisture from a regular rainstorm. Larry Marble shares his thoughts from the Texas Gulf Coast. Neighbor, I can't tell you how many times last week that pictures from Hurricane Harvey came up on my Facebook page. We had tremendous damage to our home, and our community of Fulton and Rockport was almost leveled. So you can imagine the fear that I had in my heart as I saw two hurricanes come into the Gulf. Why, just weeks before... Hurricane Hannah had come in, and it did some damage to our home as a Category 1. But I think the thing that got to me most was my friends inland saying, Good gosh, I hope that thing comes this way. I had to calmly tell them that they might want to just wait for the next shower coming down with a cold front to spare us all the destruction. And then I watched on Wednesday as many cattlemen on the Louisiana coast hired helicopters and huge groups of cowboys and dogs to move cattle off the coast further inland. As I prepared my reports, I spoke to Doug Bass from Cattleman's Brenham as he prepared for their regular Friday sale. I asked Doug this question. Now, uh, how is the storm that will be to your east going to affect you all this weekend? I think we might get a little rain out of it. I hope we get a little rain out of it. We could use it. Uh, Other than that, I don't think it's going to do much to us around here. I've got a lot of good friends in southern uh, Louisiana that they're scrambling. Right. They're going to have a hard time. In fact, we got one man that he sent us 62 cows, and I think there's 19 calves on them from down there. He just sold them out. We're going to sell them this Friday. He said he wasn't going to fight the weather. Right. Uh, so if somebody needs some good ranching cows, we'll, we'll have his cattle there to sell. Of course, that was Doug Bass talking about folks getting their livestock and livelihood out of the way of what became Hurricane Laura and hit the Louisiana coast. Reporting from the coast of Texas that dodged the bullet, I'm Larry Marble. There are many USDA programs available to help producers recover from disasters such as Hurricane Laura. Gary Crawford has more from Washington. If your farm was damaged or your livestock killed or injured from Hurricane Laura, the U.S. Department of Agriculture wants you to know this. There's a number of disaster response programs that we have. Richard Fordyce runs the USDA's Farm Service Agency, one big one that could help, especially in the case of Hurricane Laura, the Emergency Conservation Program, which can offer eligible producers. 75% cost share for debris removal from agricultural land, so that debris could be about anything sediment or sand or rocks. It could be trees. It could be pieces of a building. And we step in and provide assistance to be able to remove that debris. And for livestock producers, we have the livestock indemnity program. If livestock were killed or injured and lost value. And there's a special program covering losses for things like honeybees and fish. Also a general emergency loan program. And this only scratches the surface of all the available USDA disaster programs. For full lists and details, go to farmers.gov. Farmers.gov. 
AmericanFarmers.gov. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. The American Farm Bureau Federation is helping voters navigate the challenges of making sure their voice is heard in the 2020 election. Michael Clements tells us about a new online toolkit to help farmers and ranchers. The American Farm Bureau Federation's iFarm iVote Election Toolkit gives farmers and ranchers all the information they need before voting. Michael Sistak, AFBF Grassroots Program Development Director, says you can register to vote and find ballot information by using the toolkit at fb.org vote. The voter toolkit is provided to all Farm Bureau members and the public in general so that they can access their voter information for the 2020 election. They can look up who their candidates candidates are. They can find out how to vote, too, because with the COVID-19 pandemic, the way voting is going to happen this year is changing constantly. While there, Sistak says you can also pledge to vote in 2020. By pledging to vote, we are showing that the Farm Bureau family, our nearly 6 million members nationwide, are civically engaged and they're going to vote. And when we ask them to take that pledge, we ask them to share that on social media and share the fb.org slash vote link so that folks in their network can access that same voter information. AFBF this week also released a presidential candidate questionnaire. It's a side-by-side comparison of both President Trump's and former Vice President Joe Biden's responses to 12 specific policy questions how they would handle issues important for the agriculture community and for rural America. Find both under the advocacy tab of fb.org. Michael Clements, Washington. Time is running out to sign up for a workshop designed for first-time hunters. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. And exactly how do you weigh a donkey without a scale? Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has some ideas on that coming up next on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. So just how do you weigh a donkey without a scale? Let's check in with Dr. Bob Judd for an answer. Donkeys are becoming more popular as pets and are used to guard livestock from predators. Donkeys generally need the same vaccines, deworming, and overall health care as horses. However, unless you have a scale on your farm, determining the accurate weight of a donkey can be difficult and determining the weight is important, as most medications are dosed by the weight of the animal, and an inaccurate weight can lead to over or under dosing. The various measurements used for determining weights on horses are not very accurate on donkeys because of their different body conformation. We routinely use an app called the Healthy Horse to determine the weights of horses, and I believe it to be fairly accurate as it requires four measurements, including height, length, neck circumference, and circumference of the heart girth. I believe this is much more accurate than just using weight tapes, which only use one to two measurements. However, the Healthy Horse app does not have a donkey category, 
We performed a small study using 13 standard and miniature donkeys and determined their weight using the Healthy Horse app. We then used a chart developed by the Donkey Sanctuary and compared the results. The chart by the Donkey Sanctuary has been validated for use in donkeys and comparing the weight to the Healthy Horse app weight when using the equine scale resulted in a large difference in weights. By using the Healthy Horse app, the donkey weights were found to be 40 to 100 pounds less than using the Donkey Sanctuary donkey chart. So if you have donkeys, before deciding the weight for deworming medications, go to the donkeysanctuary.org.uk and download their free weight determination chart. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Time is running out to sign up for a workshop designed for first-time Texas hunters. Jessica Domel has more in today's Wildlife Report. Adults who are interested in learning how to hunt now have the opportunity thanks to the Mentored Hunting Workshops hosted by the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. For more on that, we're joined today by Justin Dreibelbliss, TPWD's Private Lands and Public Hunting Program Director. We first piloted the project back in 2008. Our numbers have slowly grown. We have traditionally held them on state parks, but are expanding onto wildlife management areas as well. So this year, we'll have 11 different workshops and then multiple hunting dates associated with some of those workshops. It's something we are actively trying to expand with the agency, and you know we're excited about the future. There are hunts for feral hog, white-tailed deer, squirrel, and waterfowl start every one of these programs with a workshop that covers basically how to hunt, how to hunt ethically, ethical shot placement to make sure that it's as humane of a process as possible, and then also how to take care of that meat in the field so that it stays viable and can last you and your family a long time and provide many meals. A big part of that workshop is also why we hunt, the wildlife management purpose that it serves, controlling populations, creating healthy habitat for those animals. All those messages go into that workshop. Registration is open through Tuesday on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. This year, we've moved to an online registration process. And so you can go to our Texas Parks and Wildlife Department public hunting page, and there's a mentored hunting tab that you can click. There, it will explain all of our various hunts and where they are located, what the dates are. That was Justin Dreibelbliss for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel. We ended the week on a higher note in the cattle market, a positive close across the board for the cattle complex, and the cotton market had a positive reaction to the USDA crop production and supply and demand reports released earlier today. We'll take a look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, and energy markets coming up next on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. 
We saw a higher close in the cattle market on Friday to wrap up the week. Most of our contracts finishing in the black with October live cattle up 42 cents, 105.52. December up 30, 109.72. February live cattle up 10 cents, 114.15. Same thing over in feeder cattle, higher closes across the board. October feeders up 97, 140.57. November feeder cattle up 77 cents at 141.17. Checking out the cash trade, well, we saw some fed cattle sales on Friday. Things have been fairly slow this week, but we did see the backers back in the market on Friday trying to procure the cattle that they need for this week. Those cattle sold at 102. A lot of sales in Texas at 102. That seems to be about a buck higher than we saw earlier in the week, but still a dollar lower than last week's trade of 103. Boxed beef prices mixed, choice down 75 cents at 220.08, select up 19 at 207.15. Checking a couple of feeder cattle auctions from yesterday, Columbus Livestock in Columbus sold 1,015 head. The trend was steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, $1.50 to $1.95 a pound. Three to four weights, $1.35 to $1.88. Four to five hundred pound steers, a dollar twenty-five to a dollar sixty-seven. Five to six weights, a dollar fifteen to a dollar fifty-nine. Six to seven hundred pounders, a dollar five to a dollar thirty-one. With seven to eight weight steers bringing ninety cents to a dollar twenty-seven a pound. Slaughter cows, twenty-five to seventy-two cents. Slaughter bulls, sixty-five to ninety. Stocker cows, five fifty to eleven fifty a head. Cow-calf pairs, $7.50 to $14.25 a pair. Mid-Tex livestock in Anderson sold 1,155 head yesterday. The trend there was steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, $1.25 to $1.70. Three to four weights, $1.34 to $1.73. Four to five hundred pounders, $1.34 to $1.78. Five to six weight steers, $1.24 to $1.60. Six to seven hundred pounders, one eighteen to one thirty-five, with seven to eight weight steers bringing a dollar seven to a dollar twenty-five a pound. Slaughter cows, thirty to sixty-eight cents. Slaughter bulls, seventy to ninety cents. Stocker cows brought six hundred to eleven hundred fifty a head. Cow calf pairs, nine hundred to thirteen hundred dollars a pair. Switching back over to the board, we saw another big gain in the hog market. An outbreak of African swine fever in Germany being credited for the jump in the hog market here at the end of the week. October lean hogs up $1.80, December up $2.65, $65.50. October class 3 milk up 56 cents, trading at $19.19 a hundredweight. The cotton market had a positive reaction to today's USDA crop production and supply and demand report. However, it calmed down near the close, and we actually closed very near unchanged on our nearby contracts. USDA lowering U.S. cotton production in the report by 1 million bales down to 17.1 million, with lower projections for just about every region of the cotton belt. Exports and ending stocks, 400,000 bales lower, reflecting a reduced supply here in the U.S. and stronger foreign competition. Ending stocks for the 2021 year projected at 7.2 million bales. That's equivalent to 42% of use. 
This season average price for upland cotton now forecast at 59 cents a pound, unchanged from the previous month. We close with October cotton up 10 points, 64.06. December cotton was unchanged, closing the week at 64.81. Kansas City wheat closed slightly lower. December wheat down two and three quarters, 471 and a quarter. New crop July wheat down two and a half at 496 a bushel. December corn up three and a half. 368 and a half. In the energy markets, mixed prices with October natural gas down 6 cents, 225. October crude oil up 7, 37.37 a barrel. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this week ending edition of Texas Ag Today. We've had a record-setting week for downloads, so thanks so much. We really appreciate that. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, leave us a rating or review. We'd really appreciate that. We'll be right back here on Monday with all the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.